Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. It is so awesome to be here on this incredible weekend. I mean, hasn't it just been awesome out? And uh, I hope you're enjoying time with friends, with family on this incredible weekend. And I'm so glad to be here launching this series today called Rooted. Now, if you or I could sit down for a cup of coffee, which I welcome, by the way. I have people ask me, do you meet? Absolutely. Uh, So if we were to sit down for a cup of coffee and just kind of catch up, get to know each other... Uh, Over time, as we're talking, undoubtedly, there'd be stories that I would tell you or that you would tell me about your family, about your history, and those stories that we remember, that we recount, they mark us in some way for a particular reason, even if it seems simplistic or whatever. Well, for me, I got a lot of stories through my life, but I'll never forget being at the bottom of a lift at Big Sky, Montana. I just asked a question of the snowboarder who had come down the mountain. I said, you know what, I've never been here. I don't know my way around. I'm not sure where this lift goes. So, you know, I'm here with my 10-year-old girl. And, you know, if we get on this lift, does it take us to somewhere that's, like, safe for her to ski? I just want to make sure we're not getting ourselves in too big of a situation. He looked at me and says, oh, man, don't worry about it. You're going to have that time of your life. And so Melody and I got on that lift. Lesson number one. Never trust a snowboarder, all right? So we got on that lift, and it's like 15 minutes long. You're going high, high, high up on the mountain. Eventually, we get to where the top of the lift is, only to discover that it's the very top of the mountain. And as we near the top of that mountain, you can see all kinds of people lying on the side of the hill, like not like lying down like this way, lying down like this way, because it's so incredibly steep. All these people stuck. They didn't know what to do next. And so we unloaded off that lift and suddenly realized it's not the kind of lift you can get back on. So now we got one way down. And I looked at my daughter. I said, man, follow me. Do what I do. Stay right behind me. Because I knew that really this was a moment that demanded boldness. I mean, any hesitancy that you allow to set in If you allow fear to guide you at any significant moment, you're going to end up like everyone else on the side of that hill, stuck, unsure of how to move. And so we just started skiing. And at first, Melody was right there behind me, and I heard like various comments from others stuck on the side of the hill, you know, meant to encourage me, like, what in the world are you thinking? How could you bring a little girl up here? You're never going to get down. You know, encouraging words like that, you know, it was really wonderful. And, and as I'm skiing, I, I then look back at one point, and my daughter wasn't there. And my heart like just stopped. I mean, stress filled my chest, because you can't get your way back up once you ski down. And so I waited for what seemed like a minute, and then finally I saw those skis coming down, and she came to meet me, and I'd never been more thankful. And it was then we started skiing together more and more. Eventually we got to a part in the mountain that wasn't as steep, and we started to let our skis run, and indeed we had the time of our life. And we've talked about it ever since. 
In fact, our family's going back to Big Sky this January to do that same run again, just to kind of relive the moment, you know, even though we're all a bit older than we were back then. Boldness. Do you remember a time when you acted boldly? And if you did, did you act boldly out of concern for yourself? Did you act boldly on behalf of someone else? Did you act boldly due to a call that God had placed on your life? Well, that last question takes us to where we're starting in this series today in the book of Acts. Because if you read through the book of Acts, which I strongly encourage you to do, you're going to see one theme reemerge over and over and over again. Boldness. It means to stand out prominently. In fact, in the book of Acts, boldness wasn't just an event. It wasn't just a short season of time. No, boldness was the DNA of the church. In fact, as a result of the boldness that the leaders showed back then, all across this globe, people have heard about God's amazing grace, about the power of the cross. This resulted because of their boldness. But I would say the right kind of boldness brought this about. Because if we were to stop for just a moment, we've all seen the wrong kind of boldness over the past year, year and a half. We've seen people acting boldly. And as a result, I mean, we've seen people hurt. We've seen sometimes property damage. I mean, we've seen all kinds of, even people losing their reputations through this period of time of acting boldly, I would say, maybe in the wrong way. What does the right kind of boldness look like? Especially when it relates to a Christian. I don't know about you, but I have seen a couple forms of boldness exemplified by Christians that either aren't all that helpful or they actually can cause some pain. For example, the first type I would identify would be a modified boldness. A modified boldness. And how do you recognize that kind of boldness? Well, it always comes with a modifier. Rather than just saying, I follow Christ, I'm a Christian, you know, we, we got modifiers. And whenever we place something before the name of Christ or before the word Christian, we get less of what we really should be sending and people hear that message. For example, rather than just saying, I'm a Christian, out there in the world, we've got Baptist Christians and charismatic Christians, reformed Christians and Republican Christians and democratic Christians and casual Christians and fundamentalist Christians and evangelical Christians. And then we've seen throughout this last series, we've got all kinds of progressive Christians and I could go on and on. Do you hear all the modifiers? And along with every single modifier often comes an agenda or a series of agendas that aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but they don't really point people towards Jesus either. See, whenever we add a modifier before the word Christ or Christian, we often get less of Christ and more of something else. And I think our world has grown tired of getting more of that something else. I think they need to see and hear about Jesus. Jesus. Now, there's also, also another kind of boldness that we see in our world today, and you're going to recognize it right away because we all do it. I call it a convenient boldness. Now, while this kind of boldness can actually prepare the way for us to display the right kind of boldness, often we fall short. We just kind of settle for what's convenient, but we're bold about it. For example, I mean, parents are often bold about how their child did in the last soccer game. I mean, they won the scoring goal. You should have been there. And they'll go through every single little detail and even make a few things up, right? I mean, they're really proud. They're really bold. I mean, we see people bold about their favorite professional team. 
their favorite sports team or their favorite football team, even when they keep losing season after season after season after season after season, they'll wear a jersey. They got a hat, right? They got a coat. People know all about their favorite professional team. People are often bold about what they just purchased. On Facebook, here's me in front of my brand new car. Here's me in front of my brand new home. We get bold about those things. And we get bold about the vacation that we just took. We don't just tell people it was an awesome time. We say, and you got to go there. Put it on your bucket list. Don't we do that? Come on now. And we're often bold about our favorite coffee shop. Why bother getting your coffee anywhere else? I mean, that's just dirty water. You have to go here. They serve the best coffee in town. We get bold about a lot of things. It's called convenient boldness. And the only thing wrong with convenient boldness is that that's where we stay. It does not help anyone know anything more about Jesus Christ. This world needs to see the right kind of boldness. And what's that? A humble boldness declaring the truth and the power and the grace and the salvation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This world desperately needs to hear about Jesus. It's what holds us back. I would say a lot of things, like we don't want to be rude in a situation. We don't want to appear presumptive. We might even be afraid of, of what will happen. We might, you know, kind of encounter some kind of social persecution. And in the back of our mind sometimes, we often tend to think that the boldness that we're talking about is something that we produce, which causes us to stop sometimes, rather than something that the Holy Spirit produces in and through us, if we'll let him. And this was something that Jesus taught his disciples in the book of Acts, right at the start. In fact, he started to teach them this lesson in response to their question in verse 6, chapter 1. They said, Lord... Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Interesting question. I, I think it's really interesting because talk about a group of guys who just don't get it. I mean, think about this. After all the time that Jesus had spent with them, all the lessons that he had taught them and all that he did for them and for all of us really by going to the cross and rising from the dead, all these people wanted to know was when and how he would boldly make the Jewish people a strong ruling force once again. And Jesus kind of stood there and he's saying, you know what, I didn't come for what I could physically do for you. I came for what I could boldly do through you. And if you look at the text, basically, he basically says, your, your question's off point, so let me tell you what the real point is. And he says this, but you will receive power. Say the word power. power. Now with power. power. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses boldly in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's bold. And what happened as a result? Well, then Jesus quickly, what, he ascends to heaven. And then the Holy Spirit comes and he empowers these people, these leaders, these apostles to go where they've never gone before. We quickly see that the apostles then would lead with a bold love, a bold service, a bold grace, a bold message about Jesus Christ. Yes, they would spread the gospel and advance God's kingdom, and the religious leaders would not like it. They wouldn't like it at all. And so by the time we get to Acts chapter 4, we learn that they, these leaders, were angry because Peter and John had been teaching the people and preaching that Jesus had been raised from the dead. 
So they took them and put them in prison until the next day because it was evening. And so they were put in prison because of their preaching. But these leaders weren't just threatened by their preaching, they were really threatened by the results of their preaching. Because who really cares if somebody's standing on a street corner preaching and nobody's listening to them? That wasn't the case here. Because the Bible says many of those who heard what Peter and John said put their trust in Christ. The group of followers was now about 5,000 men. You add to that women and children, you've got a movement. You've got a movement of between 10 and 20,000 people. And so these religious leaders are threatened by their preaching, the results of their preaching, but they're also threatened by something else. That Peter and John could do something that they couldn't do because they were not empowered by God's spirit. Peter and John healed a man of his sickness. And after doing that, these leaders, they kind of haul them back in and they ask them one simple question. By what power or in whose name have you done this? Basically, they're saying, we're the ones in power here. We're the ones in authority here. If you're gonna do anything, you should come and ask us, but you didn't do that, so what did you do? And the answer to your question better be really, really good right now. And what they say? You and all the Jews must know that it was by the name of Jesus Christ. Notice how he always comes first of Nazareth, the one you nailed to a cross and God raised from the dead. It is through him that this man stands in front of you well and strong. Friends, I don't know what you call that, but I call that boldness. The right kind of boldness. You see, it wasn't a casual boldness that puts everybody kind of on equal ground. It wasn't a modified boldness that puts Jesus in second position. No, it was the right kind of boldness that puts Jesus first. But they weren't done putting Jesus first. I mean, take a look at verse 11. Christ is the stone that was put aside by you workmen. But he has become the most important stone in the building. There is no way to be saved from the punishment of sin through anyone else. For there is no other name given under heaven, given to men by which we can be saved. No other name. Friends, that's the right kind of boldness. Let me ask you a really important question. How often have others in your life heard you speak the name of Jesus? We talk about a lot of things. We say we're Christians, right? We, we follow Christ. But how often have others in our life heard us talk about Jesus? You see, friends, this world has heard us talk about a lot of other things. Our sports teams, right? And, and our opinion about masks and what we think about the virus. All these things. But have they heard us talk about Jesus? Because it's the name of Jesus that brings power. It's the name of Jesus that brings life. It's the name of Jesus that produces hope. It's the name of Jesus that brings power, and it's the name of Jesus that brings salvation. I say, friends, let's speak the name of Jesus. It's what this world needs, now more than ever. It needs to hear us speak the name of Jesus in humbly, humble ways, but powerful ways. So now, that's what they're doing, and as a result, they got this movement. Friends, we need a movement here in this country that's far different from the one we've been seeing. We need a Jesus movement, a Holy Spirit-driven movement. He's calling us to take part. He's calling us to take part. 
And so now if you're the, you're, you're the religious leaders now, you've got this movement, so what do you do? I mean, you're kind of stuck when you stop to think about it because you know what? They're leading a movement of more than 10,000 people, up to 20,000 people. They're all watching, they're all waiting. And so if these religious leaders had these guys flogged, it might only increase their standing. So, so what do you do? Verse 18, then they called them in and told them they must not speak or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. So basically, you can teach, you can teach all you want. You can be positive, you can teach just about anything, just don't use his name. Don't speak the name of Jesus. It's called a modified teaching. It's called modified messaging. You can teach something, just leave his name out. So at this point, they got a couple options in front of them. Door number one, obey them, basically spare their lives and start preaching differently. Or door number two, lie to these religious leaders, say, you know what, we won't use his name, and then go out and speak in the name of Jesus anyway. Door number one, door number two. What did they choose? Door number three. And the Bible tells us in Acts 4, 19, Peter and John said, if it is right to listen to, to you more than God, well, you decide that. For we must tell what we have seen and heard they're saying, you know what? If you think you're more important with God, then you have a conversation with him about that. We need to follow what he says. We need to tell others what we have witnessed, what we have seen, what we have experienced, and how our lives have been changed. Friends, it's called boldness, the right kind of boldness. And after they had spoken more harsh words to them then, as a result, they let them go. They could not beat them because the people were giving thanks to God for what had happened. I want you to keep in mind, they're set free, but they did not know that this was gonna be the result in this situation when they were standing there facing the heat. They just kept declaring Jesus, and they were trusting God for where that whole thing was gonna go. So they're set free as a result of displaying the right kind of boldness. So now, if you're them, you're released now, right? You are set free to do whatever you want. What do you do next? You go home and enjoy your family and just give God thanks that you're out of that situation? Do you go out and kind of have a good meal with a friend like at the Outback Steakhouse there in town? What did they do? They decided to hold a prayer meeting. We're gonna talk more about this prayer meeting in the weeks to come. So, but they have this prayer meeting. So now if you were part of this prayer meeting, they're saying, we're holding this prayer meeting now and you're, you're there, you're part of it, you would face the heat, what are you gonna pray for? Are you gonna pray for protection? Lord, protect me from having anything like that ever happen to me again. Or do you pray for ongoing freedom? Lord, I'm thankful for my freedom. Give me more of this and less of that. Or do you pray for a different call from the Lord? Say, Lord, I'm so thankful I could represent you in that way. It was a wonderful little season of my life. Can you call me differently? Can I serve like behind the scenes where nobody sees me or hears me? Can I help somehow in a different way? Can you give me a different call? What do you pray for? With all their friends gathered in one place, listen to these words. They raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David had said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. 
For truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Let me stop right there. What would it look like for you and I to wake up every single morning and say, Lord, grant to your servant that with all boldness I might speak your word? How would that change your life? How would it change your conversation? How would it change the impact that God can make through your life? This was the heart of the prayer. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Basically, when you step back, they prayed for more boldness than they had already shown everyone. I want more boldness, God, to represent you in greater ways so that more people can come to know you and follow you and love you and become part of the family of God. May we pray accordingly. Friends, I say that because in our current culture, it's divided. It's hurting. People don't even know what to think or where truth is. And unless we get in the game and tell them who the truth is, they'll keep on wondering and more division will result. They need us to speak with the right kind of boldness in the name of Jesus. This is the call he's placed on us all. It's our opportunity to represent him in this world. It's what they did. The Bible says the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. They were hopeful that even his shadow would heal them. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And here's the thing. And all of them were healed. Not some of them were healed, but all of them were healed. This is the result of the right kind of boldness, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. It's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing, but it's a really, really difficult thing if you're a Jewish religious leader who's really focused on gaining your own crowd and increasing your own standing. They're seeing all of this and they respond with jealousy. And so we see in verse 18 that they arrest them again, put them in jail. And then in verses 19 through 21, God opens the doors so they can go back out freely. And what do they do? They just start preaching all the more. But the religious leaders don't know that because they're having their special meeting, trying to figure out what to do with them. And then they hear about what they're now doing, and they call them back in to try to hold them to account. And they said, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Once again, they're facing the heat. So what do they do? Door number one, submit, spare their lives and just start teaching differently. Door number two, you know, obey them or at least lie and say they're gonna obey them and then go out and preach the name of Jesus as you've been called. Door number one, door number two, what do they choose? Once again, door number two. Three, Acts 5, 29. 
We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Friends, that's boldness. It's the right kind of boldness. And while boldness was needed in that situation, even though it was, these religious leaders, they're not responding positively to it. In fact, at this point, they are so ticked off, they just want all of them put to death. And so they hold another special meeting, right? And in this meeting, there's a leader named Gamaliel who stands up in the midst of that crowd there and he says, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You only find yourselves fighting against God. Powerful words, great advice. And here is a man, here is a leader who says, you know what, I'm gonna fear God more than I'm gonna fear what you think of me right now, even though I'm part of you. We need more leaders like that, friends. Great advice, so would they listen to him? Well, kind of. They called the apostles in and had them flogged and then ordered them again not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. So if this is you, You've been freed now again, right? You're free to go anywhere you want to go. Would you immediately go back out on the streets and start proclaiming the name of Jesus again boldly? What did they do? Well, before they did that, they responded humbly. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Thank you, Lord, that I could represent you in this way. Even if hurt comes my way, thank you, Lord. That's humility. And then after displaying that kind of humility, they responded boldly. In Acts 5.42, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. It's called boldness. It's the right kind of boldness. Today, friends, I think the book of Acts is calling out to you. I think God's spirit is calling out to you and it's saying, you know what? Peter and John embrace boldness. The apostles embrace boldness. And now it's your turn. What story will you write? How is God calling you to allow the Holy Spirit to display boldness in and through your life? Because this world needs to see Jesus and so rather than embrace a convenient boldness that doesn't really help others see Jesus, and rather than embrace a modified boldness that puts another agenda first rather than declaring Jesus first, what does it look like for you to put all these modifiers aside and just focus on Jesus and representing him and serving others in his name? What would that look like? Well, here is how one person in our congregation responded. Take a look. Well, you know, serving people is more than just going out and doing something for the sake of doing it. When you see how people's lives are changed, they know it's genuine, not that you're doing it out of some responsibility or 
that you want something in return from them, but just that you, you love them. You care enough about them to do something. Well, my name is John Chastain. My wife, Denise, and I have uh, been members at MCC here for uh, almost 24 years now. My profession is uh, furniture. I've been in the furniture industry for over 40 years, helping churches uh, furnish their worship areas, gathering spaces. My schedule is flexible enough that I'm able to get outside the church and uh, actually apply some of that truth that uh, we learn, take that truth and, and put it into action outside the walls of the church. We have a community that's not far from us, a Village Green Mobile Home Park. It's an under-resourced community about two miles away from the church, but it's a mixture of uh, ethnic groups. Uh, I've been uh, serving there with uh, a team of people for well, probably close to 10 years now. And along the way, you make uh, friendships, you develop relationships through serving with people. Uh, one of the families that uh, we worked with, it became clear that they were having difficulty through the winter season when the husband didn't have enough hours. They expressed a desire to meet with one of our people. I had offered uh, a friend of mine who's a retired accountant who has budget experience. And they, within a few months, became financially secure. And that was just, a, that was a celebration moment for us, uh, all of us that were involved in, in helping them. Uh, they've been financially secure ever since. And to me, that's, that's the reason we're there. It's just caring enough to get involved with someone's life uh, in a way that honors them, treats them with respect and grace. We had a second family a few years later that both mother and father lost their job, had young children, had to move in with their in-laws. It was a situation that they, they wanted to get out of as quickly as they could. So they were looking for jobs, and while that was happening, they expressed a desire to move into an empty mobile home there in the park. The trouble was it had no wiring and plumbing that had all been stripped out by the previous tenant. So I talked to the owner, who I'd met a few times, and, and he agreed to pay for materials if we would supply the labor. And so we went in with a, a team of people, really. We had some of our own people replace windows. We had uh, the husband put in the flooring that we provided. A large item pickup came in with uh, furniture and appliances, and it was really a team effort, but we got that home ready to live in. And uh, can't believe it still. <clears throat> and they were uh, eventually able to move back into the home and, and reset their lives, get new jobs. And it was just a, a great time what we just enjoyed together. Uh, there are other opportunities like that that just uh, make your life fulfilling. Uh, it makes the truth come to life, mean something. You know, I think it's uh, John chapter 13, maybe verses 35 or so, where, where Jesus talks about loving the people around us. And by this, by that expression of love, people will, will know who you follow. It's genuine. And we have opportunities even today in places like Village Green and other partner communities around our church to, to really get involved with people's lives, bringing the love of Christ to them and sharing what we have and resources with them. So I, I just would invite people to in, experience this joy that you get that is just beyond what you can really describe. And you know in the end that you're pleasing God doing it. You know you are. And, and you get that message directly from the people you help.
So what does it look like for you to make an impact in his name? Who could you boldly love this week? Think about that person right now. You've talked to them, you run across them time again, and you've had many conversations, you know a little bit about their story, but what does it look like for you to move from conversation to love? And it might cost you your time, a bit of money, it might, it might be inconvenient for you. How could you boldly love them? And how could you boldly serve someone this week? You know someone in your life who needs help. You might have even talked to them and said, you know what, I'm just so sorry you're going through this right now. Which is a great thing to say, but what does it look like for you to take those words into action and boldly serve them in love? Or what does it look like for you to boldly share the name of Jesus? Who do you know that does not know Christ and yet you've talked to these, this person about football and you've talked about soccer, you've talked about what's happening in politics, you've talked about all kinds of different things. Maybe it's time to talk to them about the name of Jesus and who he is, what he came to do and what he can do for them. The right kind of boldness. You see, the opportunities are all around you at work, in your family, in your neighborhood to display the right kind of boldness, a boldness that humbly puts the name of Jesus first. And friends, this is more than just possible. It's more than possible when we are rooted in our faith and empowered by God's spirit. And that's why we're kicking off this series called Rooted Today. I encourage you to get a book in the atrium, join a group, come here every single weekend, watch online, be part of this movement. Because being rooted is not about cramming more information inside your head so you're smarter. It's about learning more about our faith, where we stand, and then how we can better represent him in this world boldly and with love and in humility. See, friends, a rooted faith leads to the right kind of boldness. So be part of this movement as we gain more roots in him, be more rooted in Jesus Christ. Let's lead with his name first. Let's live this out. Will you pray with me? Dear Father, we thank you that in your love for us, you saw us in our sin and you sent us a solution, your own son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we thank you for your obedience go to the cross for us, to take our place so that we become children of God. We thank you. Lord, as you know, this world, our world, this culture is getting more and more difficult all the time. It can be confusing to know how to represent you and what to say and when to say it and how to say it, all of that. Lord, Lord help us to boldly love. Help us to boldly serve. Help us to boldly declare your name at the right time in the right way so that others can come to know you. Lord, help us to be rooted in you. That when we go, wherever we go, we would go in Christ alone, that our actions would be in Christ alone, that our words would be in Christ alone, that our witness would be about Christ alone. That we would not confuse the message with other things that might be important, but they're not all important. Lord, help us to put you first. Help our lives be in you, in Christ alone. This is our prayer. This is our desire.
We want our lives to worship you, Lord. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.